0: Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast.
1: Thanks for checking it out, and make sure you subscribed. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC.
2: So let's rock it.
1: My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer writes over there and Hammer. Um, lots of devastation in southwest Florida after Hurricane Ian.
0: Yeah, man, seeing some of these pictures on social media today. It's crazy. It's it's sad because that's a place that I've gone to vacation a lot, up and down that Florida Gulf Coast. I know you've got a trip to that side of Florida coming up next week, Nige. And the sobering part of this was this morning when the Lee County Florida Sheriff was speaking with Good Morning America on what the death toll could be.
3: So while I don't have confirmed numbers, I definitely know the fatalities are, are in the hundreds Um, There are thousands of people that are waiting to be rescued Uh, and, again, cannot give a true assessment until we're actually on scene assessing each scene and we can't access people. That's the problem. Uh, We're we're accessing the bridges. We're we're seeing what's compromised and what's not. Uh, And and this will be a life-changing event for the men and women that are responding.
1: That was on Good Morning America. He seemed to, that was, again, that was the sheriff uh, Lee County, Florida. Um, He seemed to um, take a more uh, cautious tone about the possible death toll later in an interview with CNN saying, quote, I don't know the exact numbers. It's very preliminary. So I pray to God that it's not in the hundreds.
0: Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, was asked about that number on an interview that he did on Fox
4: Well, I I, I think there's a potential for significant fatalities. I think that was based on an estimate of the people that were calling in from areas that were suffering severe flooding, and they looked at the number and thinking whether uh, those folks were ended up being able to survive that. We just don't know. Obviously, there's rescue attempts uh, that are being made. I mean, I can tell you, if you look at some of those communities in kind of the northern part of Lee County and part of Charlotte's that are in some of the rivers and inlets and harbors, you know, they had massive massive oh, yeah. flooding i mean it wasn't just a couple feet i mean they had five six feet of flooding so that is clearly a life-threatening situation but i think it's too soon to put any type of numbers on that and those numbers you know certainly have not been confirmed at this point and it's my hope that some of those folks called in um, are going to be able to be rescued uh, today if they haven't already yeah let's pray
1: for sure uh, fema the federal emergency management agency also said quote we have a few reports of some fatalities uh, we know from the sheriff and from some of our other reports that they expect the number to go up.
0: So what we know right now, 2.5 million folks without power in southwest Florida. Yeah. That was at 3 million um, early this morning. So 500,000 have had their power restored already, which is amazing that those first responders and the power crew, know, yeah. they're able to get things going that quickly. Some, but of, some of which are from Indiana. Yeah, Task Force One has made their way down. Uh, but I'm seeing tons of photos of downed power lines, deep standing water, uprooted trees. Fort Myers Beach. Fort Myers Beach seems to have taken the brunt of this hurricane. Some of those pictures, it looks like a bomb has gone off.
1: Yeah, Fort Myers, Charlotte County, Marco Island, where I was just at a few few months ago. All that curfews last night. Yeah. Um, South of Florida has been devastated for sure. There, Fort Myers police warning residents uh, Thursday to stay off the roads. The local curfew is still in effect. Hazardous roadway obstructions. Live power lines down across that city. I have neighbors uh, of mine that also have residents in Bonita Springs and Naples down towards that area, and they're – uh, they live in high rise buildings or their second homes are in buildings. Uh, the garages were flooded. I mean, their cars are underwater, wow. but they keep there. It's crazy.
0: Robert Ray is a uh, weather forecaster for Fox Weather. He is in Fort Myers.
2: Look at this. Uh, the storm surge has done. It's pushed vessels uh, on top of each other on their sides in a collision course. These are large, some of these, like toys, uh, now just ripped apart by the storm surge and the hurricane force winds and all the debris here, just uh, remarkable uh, in this here area. Look at this. These are the docks, concrete docks split and half and pushed by uh, all of the energy here. Uh, Just a ridiculous amount of destruction. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, millions of dollars of destruction just where I'm standing uh, right now on this dock. And Fort Myers downtown is just uh, over uh, here to my left, and that is where the streets were flooded uh, last night as the hurricane force winds came in, uh, just wreaking havoc. Debris, Amy, was flying everywhere. Trees, uh, roofs, and uh, it was tough to even get out of here for uh, my photographer
0: it's going to take a lot of people to help rebuild that entire coastline of florida
1: Uh, they've done it before they could do it again unfortunately you live down in that area it's so beautiful i've been down there several times and that's it it, you know these these things are rare but man when they happen it just seems like it is it's too overwhelming and too i I mean the uh, word apocalyptic Comes to mind. Uh, we had our friend on the air yesterday, uh, my buddy Marco, who is radio personality. He's based out of Florida now, calling from Tampa. He decided to stick it out. He and his family. He's got a rather large family down in Tampa. Um, just an update from him. It seemed it seems like you know places like Miami-Dade kind of escaped the uh, the hurricane. Tampa-St. Pete area kind of escaped the hurricane. So I asked him how he was this morning. He said they never lost power where he was at in in, in Tampa. Although his next door neighbor. Uh, Their giant tree fell down uh, in their yard. So some places uh, it missed and they got lucky. Other places, Southwest Florida, Marco Island,
0: Fort Myers, Charlotte County, uh, really, really devastating. Rescue operations have been underway since about 1 a.m. last night. Once that eye started to make its way through Florida, the rescue operations began immediately once again, here's Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis.
4: I want to thank the 26 states that have sent us support, uh, including Tennessee, Virginia, Montana, New York, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Georgia. I just spoke with Kay Ivey from Alabama, uh, and she's uh, supporting uh, sending uh, some Blackhawk helicopters down to help. Uh, Governor Bill Lee in Tennessee uh, fast track a request that we had from Tennessee. We appreciate that. I was also just able to speak with John Bell Edwards from Louisiana. They've helped us, but he said, hey, we've got a lot of experience in hurricanes recently so these guys are good ask us we want to send more and so we really appreciate uh, that consideration.
0: So now keeping our eye on this storm as it makes its way through the state of Florida it's going out to the Atlantic and now the coastline of South Carolina has hurricane warnings in place because this storm could spin back and it's expected to make landfall in Charleston South Carolina Friday morning could be a category 1 at that point substantially uh substantially diminished but still that's a category 1 hurricane that's how strong this thing was it went through the state went out to the ocean and now it's spinning yeah, back and it's still a cat 1 did you see
1: the, the did we talk about this on the air yesterday the florida reporter i think she was in actually i think she's in manatee county where i'm uh, uh, i think i'm going next week i'm not sure she she was she had put on um a condom on her microphone while she was
0: broadcasting live in the hurricane. Did you see see this? She did this not because she was trying to make some sort of, you know, political point or (laughs) some sort of stance on, you know, reproductive rights. She didn't want her (laughs) microphone to get wet. So she thought, you know what? What better way to protect my gear than by using a condom on the microphone? Now, it was bizarre because she's talking about really serious stuff. Sure. But she's holding this mic up, and you see the little tip. The reservoir tip. Right. Of the condom on top. She did a video on social media to... To address what became a viral
5: moment, a lot of people are asking what is on my microphone. It is what you think it is. It's a condom. It helps protect the gear. We can't get these mics. In the wind, it's a lot of rain, so we got to do what we got to do, and that is put a condom on the microphone.
1: This hurricane report brought to you by Trojan Magnum. (laughs) This is an endorsement and opportunity waiting to happen for her. Right? I mean, a spokesman. I mean, she could quit her job and become a spokesman.
0: Now, most (laughs) reporters that I've seen have like. Ziploc baggies over the mic sure. or yeah. something like that. I've never seen the condom on the mic. It makes sense. I wonder if she's the kind of gal that just carries a few on her just to have around in case, <laughs>
1: or she had to make that purchase specifically for their, their job duties. <laughs> you know what I mean? Did anybody bring the Ziploc baggies? I got this, guys. <laughs> now I got a condom. Now I got a rubber. Got We're a Jimmy hat.
0: <laughs> As Clark Griswold once said, eat my rubber. All right. <laughs> And we're back. The
1: Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIVZ. Hammer and our producer Megamondo arguing off the air. (laughs) We could get into it here if you want. Uh, Aaron Judge has uh, written his name alongside Roger Maris in baseball's record books. Hammer, here is the Yankees player Big Swing last night.
5: And the
2: 3-2, drill deep to left field, this could be it, see ya,
6: he's done it, number 61. He's been chasing history, and now he makes it, he and Roger Maris are tied with 61 home runs, the most anybody has ever hit in a single
2: season in American League history.
0: What do you think, man? So that ties the American League record with Roger Maris. It's not the single season record for Major League Baseball because that fell into the laps of Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and Barry Bonds during the steroid era. So basically, those dudes were coming up to the plate with syringes sticking out of their anus, <laughs> swinging it for the bleachers every time, put up video game numbers. Yeah. The only substances we know that Roger Maris put into his body were cigarettes and booze. So there's a lot of purists and I think I kind of fall in this category that recognize Aaron Judge and Roger Maris. Sitting as the single-season home run leaders, without any sort of drama or asterisk next to their name.
1: Are there uh, some? But, but McGuire and Bonds and so, so all those guys are still in the record books, right? They haven't completely wiped them off. Wiped still them out of existence. one hundred
0: percent in the record books, and they all played in the National League. So that's why this is the American League record that Maris has set. But Mondo thinks there's no difference between Barry <laughs> Bonds going up there like his second-to-last season with his ginormous head that didn't. <laughs> used to be there. Sammy Sosa, he used to be this real skinny you yeah. know, guy that came up with the jerry curl. Next thing you know, he looks like the Incredible Hulk. All of those numbers are
6: equal to you, right? Yes, because they're still in the record books. Once those numbers get wiped away, which they never will. So as long as they're there in the record books, those are the home run kings. With asterisks. No, there's by... a, there's no asterisks. Uh, no, but I mean, it's but implied. But they're also not it's in implied. the Hall of
0: Fame. Not being in the Hall of Fame is the biggest asterisk you can have. Right. right? Who,
6: who cares about the Hall of Fame? The numbers don't lie. Who cares about the Hall of Fame? Those numbers <laughs> will last a lifetime. If the MLB really... Well, of course wa- they'll last yeah, a lifetime. They every... were juiced out of their minds. If the MLB really wanted to make a statement, they would would erase all of Bonds, McGuire, and Sosa's home runs. That would really, really make you think, oh my God, the MLB's legit. The Hall of Fame Pete Rose is not even in the Hall of Fame. So the Hall of Fame is a joke. It doesn't have Pete Rose, it doesn't have Roger Clemens, and it doesn't have Barry Bonds. Those three players right there. They all cheated. But they're all deserving (laughs) of the Hall of Fame. Every damn one. Because the summer of 1998, (laughs) if it wasn't for Sosa and Maguire, baseball would have died. Sosa and Maguire resurrected baseball. All right, so let 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 me ask you this. real quick. Let let me ask you this. Hold on, hold on.
0: So if you, for some reason, find yourself in a race, a Street race in Whiteland, and (laughs) you find out that the guy beat you has like a NASA rocket engine. You're gonna say, "Wait a minute, this this is a little bit unfair. I didn't have this advantage." Roger Maris and Aaron Judge can look at Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa and McGuire and go, "Wait a minute, we didn't have the clear rubbed
6: all over our tuchus." You still (laughs) have to have the skill. You still have to have the talent, because listen, I know guys who have taken steroids. And it didn't help their athletic that doesn't ability surprise at, me at all. <laughs> they sucked.
1: So the fact that yeah, what about that argument, Hammer? Is that it still takes a quite the a, a skill and a precise precision to hit a 95 mile an hour ball down the middle of the plate, sure, and put it outside? Absolutely, uh, hitting of a of the baseball stadium.
0: is the hardest thing in sport. But this is why like baseball fans hate Barry Bonds because he was good before the juice. He didn't need to do it, oh, but he was such an insecure a hole. He did. Want people saying Ken Griffey Jr. was better than he was, so he started taking the clear, getting the injections. Next thing you know, he's got a head that looks like a drive-in movie, and he's
6: hitting home run balls <laughs> about 500 feet. I guarantee you that Aaron Judge is taking some sort of pre-workout. Oh, for God's sake. oh you can guarantee I it. I guarantee you. That it, there's, okay. no, there's no way he's Dr. going Dr.
0: Mondo in... over here, who doesn't wear sleeves, can guarantee the health condition of another player. There's, there's you look, no can way you look he's going me? into it. Can you
1: assess my health by just just by looking at me, Sanjay? <laughs> you have heart disease. I have heart disease. Oh,
6: Sanjay Gupta over here, <laughs> passing out diagnosis. <laughs> but I guarantee you (laughs) that Aaron Judge does take some sort of pre-workout, so he's not all natural like people are portraying him to be. That's a pretty big
1: accusation.
6: Pre-workout. I don't even know what that means.
0: Substantially different than getting busted for human growth hormones. Sure, sure, absolutely. Okay, all right, that's fine. Uh, The other story in this game Was that there was this auction house that said they're going to pay big bucks, millions of bucks, for the tying home run and the record-breaking home run from Aaron Judge. So this home run last night, it was like a line drive laser just over the bullpen in the outfield. He hit it pretty hard. Just a screaming line drive. There was a guy, and he brought his glove to the ballpark. He reaches out. The ball hits his glove and it bounces into the bullpen. He Ooh. does not make the catch, and that ultimately could be worth $2 million. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's rough. So, what did somebody, did a baseball player grab it and probably give it back to Aaron Judge or something? Yeah, I think it was
0: somebody in the bullpen that just picked it up okay. and, you know, they gave it, you know, to Aaron. Wow. And I think Aaron Judge gave it to his mom. Yeah, I am. I gave it to his mom. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> you I brought a what glove do. to the game. It was right there. Like if it was his bare hand, you could say, man, that ball was moving. It was still moving, though. I mean, it was.
1: was. I mean, it was a that was a rocket for sure. But, but it's,
0: man, you got a glove on. $2 million. You probably paid a ridiculous amount for those seats right there, front row over the outfield as Judge is chasing the record. You brought your glove to the ballpark. This is your moment. You put the glove out falls out of the glove my, into the bullpen. my
1: wife would be serving me divorce papers <laughs> <laughs> if i was the one to drop that ball
0: oh man like if you were that guy like that'd be hard to overcome knowing that you almost had a million dollars in your hand and we know this because sothebys i think that's the auction house they said you know they've got millions lined up they're gonna buy these balls and uh man you did everything right but catch the ball unreal all right rick snyder president of the fraternal order of police he will join us next this is the hammer and nigel show
1: you're listening to the hammer and nigel show on 93 WIBC.
0: my name is nigel
1: jason hammer is here we'll go to the DriveHubler.com hotline and bring on rick snyder president of the fraternal order of police lodge 86 rick how are you
7: doing well guys
1: uh, plenty to get to with this conversation. Let's first start with fallen uh, Richmond police officer, Sierra Burton. You spoke at her funeral earlier this week. Just maybe talk about how something like this has a ripple effect throughout the law enforcement community. And not only here in Indiana, but but it's nationwide. and, And maybe also talk about the support given by police to Officer Burton's family.
7: Yeah, I've had the opportunity to uh, interact with officers in different points uh, across the country over the last couple of weeks. And all of them have been monitoring the status of uh, Officer Burton and her fight, uh, as we all know too well here in Indiana, that went on for nearly 39 days. Uh, It's obviously a tragedy, uh, but our our FOP critical incident team was able to mobilize as as soon as uh, Sierra... Uh, made the transition in life. And uh, we were able to be there and walk alongside her family. It was a great honor to be able to uh, speak at her funeral. Uh, We were able, through my role with the National FOP Chaplaincy, to uh, provide the opening, closing prayers and also the graveside uh, prayer uh, during that uh, ceremony and those honors. So um, it's uh, devastating. I think one of the key things that's important to note is a key topic of discussion amongst officers At that funeral remains and continues to be this possibly being another example where we have a revolving door incident of a repeat violent offender who was out and possibly uh, shouldn't have been had they been held accountable for prior bad acts. And so that uh, discussion and those concerns continue within our Indiana law enforcement community, but also across this country.
0: Rick, before we get into that revolving door that we talk about so often here on this program, uh, one more thing on the Officer Burton funeral. When you speak at these events and unfortunately there have been way too many of them um do you get nervous I mean you are the top of the food chain and the FOP in Indiana most people view you as this you know tough hard-nosed guy but it's only human nature to be concerned about the speech you're going to deliver with so many eyeballs on you and knowing what is at stake here
7: Well, I think the best way to describe it is an overwhelming sense of being humbled, Um, Mm -hmm. humbled because of what is occurring, uh, the sacrifice that has been made. And quite honestly, guys, in the role with the chaplaincy, it's uh, overwhelmingly uh, humbling um, when you know that you are providing uh, words of not just encouragement, but words from God himself uh, to help comfort the family, the fellow officers, but also to play a critical role in laying our sister to rest um, alongside other heroes at the Heroes of Public Safety Memorial. Um, so I think the, the biggest thing to remember is just the honors that are due for the officer and their family uh, and also how many officers we have laid to rest there at Crown Hill Cemetery from all over the state. And it just reminds us that, uh what officers are willing to risk day in and day out uh throughout our community and uh it just really uh it just really reminds you how remarkable our folks are
1: Rick what kind of support do uh, police Um, do they offer the family of the fallen officers and not only uh, not only the family but um, also fellow officers that that worked with officer burton in terms of just support psychological emotional support is there uh, a physical monetary type of thing that that is available what i'm just just curious is yeah the kind of examples that you could offer
7: well the The Fraternal Order of Police has worked very hard over many decades to ensure that uh, appropriate levels of survivor benefits are available for families of fallen officers. And those will be made available uh, to the Burton family and rightfully so. For the fellow officers, uh, they do have mental and emotional wellness uh, opportunities that are, are available to them for ongoing uh, counseling needs uh, just to be able to talk to somebody. Remember, not only did we have an officer that was shot and ultimately killed by this incident, but we had other officers who were shot at and then also witnessed that incident. So it's a, a traumatic event, and uh, we have a lot of good support that is available for those officers. Our key component is this, to never let them walk alone, that being the officers and the families involved. Uh, but remember, guys, th- this doesn't just go away, and it doesn't go away with the end of this funeral. You have long, lifelong lasting impacts that will continue on throughout that uh, the Richmond Police Department, but really throughout law enforcement throughout our state. Rick
0: Snyder is our guest. He is the president of the Fraternal Order of Police, Lodge 86, here in Indy. Uh, Rick, there was a story that I was reading about today. These two individuals that went on this robbery spree on the south side, southeast side, a lot of Walmart stores, things like that. Uh, They were arrested, basically caught in the act. They are taken into custody. Strong armed robbery. Strong armed robbery. And the same day... They're back out on the streets. One of them only pays 700 dollars to get out.
7: That's right. From the reporting that we received from Fox 89, which, again, kudos to them because they stay on these topics in real-time cases. Uh, but uh, Jesse Wells over there was able to identify that this was a male and a an female that were, were arrested at Suspects in these. And again, guys, this is on the far south side, exactly in the corridor that we had been talking about for over a year now of where crime and violence was moving to, toward Greenwood, Johnson County. We've seen it play out. These are multiple robberies these, that they were suspected in. Uh, they were actually arrested, according to police reports, literally caught red handed in the middle of one of these robberies. They're taken into custody. They're taken to the adult process, well, the new jail uh, for processing. And within hours, guys, uh, both are released. The mail was released on a $750 bond for robbery. Now, again, remember, guys, we were told uh, we are only doing low-cash bonds for nonviolent felonies. Remember that whole discussion? Oh, sure. And again, we've pointed out time and time again all these violent crimes that get low bonds. This is robbery, of all things, and it equates to a $750 bond, suspects out in just mere hours, and this is a question that I asked. How does that enhance public safety? Furthermore, what does that tell the victim in this robbery about the value of their life in the eyes of the Marion County court system, but specifically our Marion County prosecutor? Because here's what we know, guys, and we've learned time and time again from our courts. What they're up against and the cards they're having to play is that our Marion County prosecutor is not staffing the arrestee processing uh, system. Over the weekends. Hmm. Guys, they keep bankers hours. They go home on Friday evening like everybody else. And the criminals, uh, with criminal histories, uh, with new allegations of crimes that are being arrested over the weekend, there's no one there to formally process their formal charges. And the courts oftentimes are forced to let them out on low or no bonds. Uh, because the prosecutor's office isn't getting their work done. And so then later, you'll see then charges are formally filed by the prosecutor's office on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday when they catch up from their weekend backlog. Guys, that isn't a way to do system in a major city in our country. I don't know that many other cities do business that way. It was not done that way prior to this prosecutor, but for whatever reason, he has made the decision to pull those prosecutors out of there, just like he made the decision to pull prosecutors out of neighborhood neighborhood prosecutions, pulling them off the districts where they can be a conduit to the the residents on each of our IMPD districts. Uh, He's removed that. It makes no sense. There's no logic to it. And what I said to Fox 59, they didn't play it last night. But when you ask these questions, guys, go ask Ryan Mears why he's not doing that job. Go ask him why these repeat violent offenders and new allegations of violence are getting cycled back into our neighborhoods within mere hours, and our victims are left shaking their heads and shrugging their shoulders at uh, politicians who don't seem to care about them and their safety.
1: Well, Rick, you have asked Ryan Mears to his face essentially that question, and he turns around with his tail between his legs and walks away and doesn't uh, respond. So uh, the question is
8: yeah,
7: Here's the deal. Here's the deal. He is applying for this job. He is up for election, not reelection, but election, because he was appointed to fulfill Terry Curry's term. And he is, should be asking residents to put their trust and confidence in him. So it's only fair that they be able to get answers to these questions, just like any other employee would for a job interview, as to why you're, we had the opportunity to see performance before he's actually elected to the office. Why is he not doing these things that are his responsibility as a representative of the state as the Marion County prosecutor?
1: Do you have time to stick around for one more segment, Uh, Rick? Absolutely. Okay, I want to ask you about these criminals and maybe they're a little bit smarter than we're all giving them credit for. And uh we'll be right back with FOP President Rick Snyder right after this on the Hammer and Nigel Show. And
6: we're back.
1: Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. If I crazy and will you still
6: call
1: Okay, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Back to the com hotline. FOP President Rick Snyder is on the phone. We were talking about a man and a woman arrested for strong-armed robbery, uh, accused of several robberies around the South Side, caught literally in the act, and out the next day on low bail. Are these criminals getting arrested? I feel like they're a little bit smarter than we maybe sometimes give them credit for, Rick, um, in terms of knowing the policies, knowing what's going to happen to them when they get arrested, knowing that they'll be back out on the street relatively quick. It's it's almost like getting arrested for even strong-armed robbery is a mere formality for these people.
7: Well, that's exactly right. And it's just a reminder that violent offenders, especially repeat violent offenders, they have no fear of the criminal justice system in Marion County, mm. and this is why, because they know it's just the cost of doing business that if you get caught, you're just going to get cycled through, process, and released right back out into the neighborhood so that you can continue on with your path of crime and violence. And here's the worst part. If you got locked up because somebody actually had the nerve to report you, uh, had the fortitude to call the police and report the crime, now you're back out with a vengeance and looking to have retribution on the people who... Uh, turned you in and so residents in the community then lose faith in the criminal justice system more importantly they lose faith in the police because they see their the police are the only ones they see they see them making the arrest and then they see the bad guy coming right back out well they attribute that to the police but here again guys the police are doing their job it's your prosecutor and the rest of the system that is not doing theirs and that's why we say indy deserves better
0: Rick Snyder is our guest, FOP president, joining us here on The Hammer and Nigel Show. Rick, so we're talking about this robbery pair that was arrested and released uh, within the same day. This is on the heels of that tragic situation where a woman was gunned down at a a daycare center in front of children from a guy who should never have been back out on the streets as well. It's one story right after the other. Uh, we've talked about this a lot on this show. Rick, when you go around the city of Indianapolis and you talk to people, or maybe some of your officers talk to people, are they you know, talking about what's happening here in Marion County, the long, revolving door of this criminal justice system?
7: Absolutely. We hear from folks in the neighborhoods every single day uh, here in Indianapolis and in other major cities across the country. Because they're all seeing the same thing. And this is what I keep asking. How does this all happen in the same way in every major city across the country? It's almost like it's by design. And what we see is this destabilizing by design to undercut the criminal justice system so that it collapses upon itself. And then we have progressive politicians that are radical in their beliefs that then believe that if they break it, they can remake it. And I'm here to tell you. This current prosecutor, Ryan Mears, falls exactly in line with the Larry Krasners in Philadelphia, the Garcons in uh, L.A., and all other progressive DAs and prosecutors across the country with these woke, broke philosophies of how to approach criminal justice. So here are the fair fair questions. If the prosecutor can't take steps to hold somebody in jail for longer than a couple of hours on a robbery charge, what do you think he's going to do on – Theft charges like we've seen in other major cities where people just a crowd walks in, and overwhelms a store and just steals everything in sight. I think there's a fair question for this prosecutor. Will he continue to charge felony theft charges for theft amounts that are under a thousand dollars? There's suggestions that if he's reelected, he's going to move away from that and fall in line with these other prosecutors and stop criminally charging folks
0: for that. Wow. Unbelievable. We need confirmation
7: from him what his belief is on that.
0: Rick, two weeks ago, let me jump in here real quick, Rick, because I know we're up against a break here. Two weeks ago, there was this town hall between the current prosecutor, Ryan Mears, and the challenger, Cindy Carrasco. In that little town hall meeting that they had uh, up on the north side, Ryan Mears said that he has a great relationship with the police. It's only the FOP that he has a problem with. Um, He talked about the relationship he has with the day-to-day officers officers. And he also did a victory lap on his prosecution percentage. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that.
7: A few things. The FOP is the Fraternal Order of Police. It's not made up of an individual. It's made up of rank and file police officers throughout Indianapolis and Marion County. By the way, every police representative organization has formally endorsed his opponent, not him. Every single one of them in the city of Indianapolis and throughout Marion County. Um, On top of that, uh, related to his uh, his success rate with prosecutions, he himself told us a year ago that his uh, conviction rate would be artificially inflated because they have so few trials that are occurring and it will necessitate more sweetheart plea deals to siphon through the backlog of cases that we're facing. Thirty seven thousand plus criminal trials that are still awaiting uh, their opportunity to go to court. So it's all a sham. I think it's it's more of the same from Ryan Mears who shrugs, points, runs away. Um, and tries to obfuscate from the real facts and that's why we say facts matter that's why cops are for Carrasco Cindy equals safety safety equals Cindy we need our residents to stand with us and put a prosecutor in place that's going to work with the police and hold violent offenders accountable
0: Rick Snyder president fraternal order of police lodge 86 Rick as always we appreciate your honesty Thanks, Rick. thank you so much for joining us
7: thank you guys god
0: bless it's the hammer and nigel show
9: Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On ninety-three WIBC.
2: So
0: let's
1: rock! Hey, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. What'd you say? Five thousand National Guardsmen activated in Florida to help uh, with some of the damage left in the wake of Hurricane Ian. Correct. What you're seeing five thousand. Wow.
0: Rescue missions yeah. have been going on since about one a.m. last night, after Hurricane Ian made its way onto the shore as a Cat Four. Now it's made its way pretty much through Florida back out to the Atlantic where you're not out of the clear yet. Forecasters are now saying the hurricane will be a cat one when it lands in Charleston, South Carolina tomorrow uh, sometime in the morning. So just because it's made its way through Florida does not mean people are out of the woods just yet. Now earlier today, the Lee County Sheriff Lee County in Florida jumped on Good Morning America on ABC and had a pretty grim outlook on how many fatalities he was expecting to see.
3: So while I don't have confirmed numbers, I definitely know the fatalities are are in the hundreds. Um, there are thousands of people that are waiting to be rescued uh, and, again, cannot give a true assessment until we're actually on scene assessing each scene and we can't access people. That's the problem. Uh, we're, we're accessing the bridges. We're, we're seeing what's compromised and what's not. Uh, and, and this will be a life changing event for the men and women that are responding.
1: So uh, Lee County, by the way, is, that's, that's you know, Fort Myers and, and Cape Coral. And uh, those estimates, I, I the thing with that sheriff is he sort of was more cautious in his tone and how he described how many people and their lives have been lost when he went on CNN later. He, he kind of walked it back just a little bit. No um, official numbers. You know, these things come in so fast. Lots of people calling 911, needing help, Hammer.
0: Right. And uh, again, I'm amazed at the amount of things they've been able to do already this storm made its way through last night it was a slow moving storm and the amount of people without power last night were around three million now it's 2.5 2.5 million. And I know it doesn't sound like it's that much when you're talking about that many people without power, but 500,000 people had their power restored the same night that a Cat 4 hurricane went through. I think that's impressive.
1: It is, but the specific areas that were severely affected look awful. It looks like a bomb went off.
0: Fort Myers, Fort Myers Beach got rocked. The pier destroyed. You see boats that have just crashed into inland homes, like boats on top of boats. You're right. It looks like a war zone. Um, Fort Myers Beach total devastation.
4: Uh, Here is Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, We've had Coast Guard rescues. We've had urban search and rescue teams from the state of Florida. We've had the National Guard uh, down in southwest Florida. People have been being rescued uh, on a a minute-by-minute basis, and that's going to continue to go. And obviously, when you have barrier islands like Sanibel, where that bridge has now been uh, knocked out, uh, the only way to get there right now is through air operations. And so we're running helicopters, both Chinook and Black Hawk helicopters, into those barrier islands rescuing residents who were there Uh, but then also on the local level uh, they had had folks in the evacuation zones who chose not to evacuate then as the water started rising they would make calls for emergency and they weren't able to send people out in the middle of a hurricane because obviously that would be hazardous for first responders Uh, but they do have a sense of some of the parts of lee and charlotte uh, that are suffering from the most flood and flood risk and so those communities um, are also also being uh, attended to.
0: So again, Fort Myers taking the brunt of this storm, widespread flooding, complete devastation. Now, we were watching the coverage of this yesterday before we came on the air, Nige. I was watching it all
1: not last night as well. All day long we were on it.
0: And yeah. the Weather Channel's guy is Jim Cantori. Right? He's the franchise. That's your hero. That's my guy. He's the one that's out there hanging on to a palm tree in the worst conditions imaginable. At one point yesterday, he was reporting on the conditions, and he's hanging on to a stop sign. He's got a batting helmet on, and a tree branch comes by and hits Nails him. him.
3: just came flying by.
1: All right, you know what? I think I'm just going to come in
2: here for a second. Is he all right? I'm fine. I'm fine. I just just
1: can't stand up. I'm watching it right now. No, at the at the time when he got hit with that tree branch, he wasn't holding on to anything. He was in the middle of the street. I don't know how he could stand up straight. I'm surprised he didn't that didn't knock him off his butt, knock him onto his his rear end. That's when he walked over and started. All right, maybe I better hang on to something here. I just got nailed by this giant branch. And At, he, the, 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 he is wearing a bat. That's a literal batter, batting helmet. It's right.
0: Not, like a baseball yeah. batting helmet. And now you see why. I mean, tree branches are hitting him. I think he decided to finally pack it up and go inside once a stop sign was like blowing down yeah. the street. Now, you get hit by that thing. Oh, yeah. That's trouble. Right. So he decided to pack it up at that point. Uh, Another story that we had yesterday, still more fallout today, was Joe Biden at this hunger event asking where dead Indiana Congresswoman Jackie Walorski was.
6: And so many of you know so much about this as well and you're committed. And I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative... Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was going to be here to help make this... That's
3: yeah, so Jackie cr- died
0: in a car crash in August with so two cringe, man. aides of oh, hers. so... Oh. Immediately, the White House went into damage control mode, and Corrine Jean-Pierre... Oh, 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 man, she there it is. had the misfortune of having to stand there and try to make sense of what Joe Biden just did.
5: Final one. What happened in the hunger event today? The president appeared to look around the room uh, for an audience member, a member of Congress who passed away last month He seemed to indicate
9: she might be in the room. What, so- what
8: happened? So the president w- was, uh, as you all know, you guys were watching uh, today's event, a very important event on uh, food insecurity. The president was naming uh, the congressional champions on this issue and was acknowledging her incredible work. He had uh, he had already uh, planned to welcome the congresswoman's family uh, to the White House on Friday. There will be uh, a bill signing in her honor this coming Friday. Uh, so of course she was on his mind. She was of top of mind uh, for the president. He uh, looks very much looks forward to discussing her remarkable legacy of public service with them when he sees her family this coming Friday. He
5: said, "Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? She must <laughs> not be here."
8: No, I totally understand. I just, I just explained she was on top of mind.
5: <laughs> that, that,
1: that explanation doesn't suffice.
8: And does she sound a
0: little snarky and arrogant right there? Like Corrine Jean-Pierre was actually bothered, and she couldn't believe you were asking that question. But then something crazy happened. You know at the end of the uh, movie The Grinch or the cartoon The Grinch where his heart grows three times that day and he ends up saving Christmas? Sure. The White House press briefing room (laughs) with all of those liberal reporters that will do anything and everything to make Donald Trump look bad and lift up the Democratic Party, they actually turned on Corrine Jean-Pierre yesterday. It wasn't just... You know, Deucey of Fox. Right. Take a listen to this. There's a whole room full of people telling Corinne Jean Pierre as she sits there with this ridiculous look on her face that these answers are not good enough.
8: Okay, I go apologize. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. The the go ahead. Go ahead. These moments of confusion are happening with the reason. Excuse me. Americans yeah. are America watching this and are having What do you say to that? This is a
5: legitimate question. We need to have some answers. At the end of the year.
0: And she just sits there, like just almost rolling her eyes. She's just Uh sitting there at the podium. You know what? Maybe if you weren't so arrogant and cocky and gave a better answer, you wouldn't have to have the follow-ups. What could she have said, though?
1: I'm trying to think it like, maybe if she just said, yeah, I think he got confused, the, the teleprompter wasn't right, and, uh, you, you know, like, uh, yeah, the old man's got a couple marbles loose. Just not be saying honest. it like that. I'm not, not being flipped like right. that. But What if she said, yeah, I think he got sort of confused, and uh, that's not what he meant. Next question.
0: Right. Just be honest with people. Don't be a smart ass about it and make it look like this is no big deal. Stand up there and say... You know, he misspoke. We've all done it before. Everybody has that moment where you say something and you realize it's not right. We've all been there before. That's what happened here. That's all she had to say. But instead, she had to act like Miss Billy Badass. And I'm sorry, the president who clearly has absolutely no (laughs) issues at all. Wink, wink. Uh, No, of course not. Did
1: you hear the excuse, Whoopi Goldberg? gave on, i missed it on the view here's, <laughs> here's a, a, a whoopee on the view
5: uh, you know my gosh come on you can't go after him for you know not giving aid to florida or not tackling the infrastructure he's giving aid to ukraine so you can't go after him for that but you can go after him for forgetting that someone
2: has passed i mean and she passed last month not like a hundred years ago yeah okay
0: Oh, well, hell. Uh, Why didn't you say so? Yeah,
1: baby. Whoopi sounds like Cincinnati Red's former CEO, Mark Shot. Hi, babe This is the same half-wit doofus that thought Jill Biden should be Surgeon General because she's a hell of a doctor, right? Correct. Is this the same person? I, I don't know which one. Was it Whoopi? I believe it was Whoopi. said whoopie. that. So Biden can't be expected to remember things that recently happened, which is an odd argument to make. I mean, He's the
0: president of the United States. Like
1: if she passed away 100 years ago, he might have remembered it. Right. Like short-term memory loss. Uh, one of the early symptoms of dementia, by the way. I can't oh, remember. You know. Eh, you know, you Wait, know what's the
0: cartoon character, Mondo, that I think she sounds like? I'm always watching you, Wazowski. Right.
1: Monsters, Monsters Inc. Inc. Oh, Thank you. Yeah. You. Know, it sounds
0: like it sounds like Mark Patrick doing an impression of
3: Marge shot
0: <laughs> right. back in the day. Oh my goodness, that's our president. That's our president looking around the room for somebody that died in August, somebody he named a hospital after, and not realizing she's dead. Emma Nigel presents.
3: It depends upon what the meaning
6: of the word is. Yeah. Is. Is. Is
1: this anything? On All right, let's get on with it, Hammer.
0: Is this anything? A man with his dogs and girlfriend were out for a little bit of a walk. Next thing you know, this bear comes right at them. Oh, uh, one of these, huh? Kind of a smaller bear, but still a bear. Yeah. He tried to scare it away by <laughs> yelling at it. That didn't work. So. He slapped it in its face, and boom goes the dynamite. That did the trick. The bear took off running in the other direction. Check it out. I'm
1: so excited because we get to play great moments in chewing away bears history now. Yeah. (laughs) That one was pretty good. That one was up there. Right. Dude, can you just play it again, Mondo? I mean. <laughs> get
2: back. Get
3: back.
2: <laughs>
0: what have i always told you what do you have to do to a bear sometimes you got to punch it in the face you got to punch a bear in the face sometimes and that's <laughs> what he did and it saved his dogs
1: yeah although i mean i have a the difference between that you said it was a small bear and something like a kodiak bear from the great outdoors right might be <laughs> slightly more difficult to punch that type of a bear in the face but i think i think this is one of my favorite segments on the show, Hammer. Great it's- moments
0: in shooing <laughs> away Bears history.
2: Stop it right now. No. Stop it. Down. Bear. No. 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 Down. Bear. Bear. Down. I do that with
1: my cat when he's on the counter and he's about to tip over a glass of water. <laughs> and he's just looking at me. He's got a paw in the water. I'm going, no, <laughs> Gary, get, nook, get, no. And he's just looking at me, toying with me. And then he knocks it over, little
0: bastard. That was a bear on a bird feeder. Oh, that was okay. This one, a woman who's a teacher said she had to use her teacher voice to scare a bear away from her back deck.
9: Get down from there. Get down. Get down from there. Right
5: now. Go. 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 You get down from my porch right now. Go. What do you think you're doing on my porch? You get down. Go. How dare you?
1: Yeah, I mean <laughs> If a bear's gonna get scared by anything, it's it's by a Karen. Yes. Right? <laughs> you turn into a Karen. Yeah, that bear's out of there.
5: How dare you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love this segment. And last but certainly not I love least. It. And still the reigning champion of shooing away bear (laughs) history, the guy that went for a hike.
1: It looks like Biden when he saw the Easter bunny.
3: <laughs>
1: Remember that? Yes. <laughs> it scared the hell out of him. He had that look of fear, that I'm, slow turn. That's the noise I picture Biden making when he saw the Easter Bunny come <laughs> up.
2: <to him. laughs>
0: Great moments yeah. in chewing away bears history. Oh, my
1: favorite segment
0: on the show. Is this anything? A Pennsylvania man? <laughs> who dresses up as Captain America, became a real-life superhero when he stopped a moving vehicle to save a man who passed out at the wheel. Oh, wow. Here is borderline weirdo Timothy White telling his amazing
7: story at the wheel I have to go save this guy started chasing him in my car he's ping-ponging off of poles so I hurry up and throw my car in
0: park (laughs) sprint down the block and chase the truck down I jump in the driver's side window and I throw it in park a cop walks out of this station I flag him down, he starts doing his job. I would say I'm always looking to help people by nature, but this was the extreme <laughs>
7: version of oh, that. Oh,
1: man. Captain America, he's lived every moment of his life, leading every everything he's ever done up until this moment. Every day that he dresses up as Captain America has led him to this moment right now where he actually turns in to Captain America. And he's, I saw the news story. It's not one of these guys that is in this dirty suit asking for money. Like, a, you Touching know... Touching your a, kids uh, downtown. Right, like offering them candy. Mommy, you know, these guys do this. These guys that are maybe homeless or looking for uh, a few extra dollars will get a hold of a Spider-Man costume, and it's all dirty and gross and sticky. And then you got to give the... And the guy's like 80 pounds overweight. I never right. knew Spider-Man. They have a beer belly. This guy... <laughs> this guy is a hero. He dresses up as Captain America because he likes to do the cosplay... He goes to festivals. He does the anti-bullying superhero day. This guy's a true American hero, and uh, it just so happens that he dresses up as Captain America and save somebody's life.
0: You think his family is thinking, oh, God, now he's never going to take it off. Yeah, right. Like, this is the worst we, thing that could have happened to absolutely. his family and friends who were this close to having an intervention yeah. with this guy. You're not Captain America. Take it off. Can, <laughs> cancel the intervention. He just
1: saved the guy's life. Just yeah, let him keep let him on go. doing it.
0: <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel
9: Show.
3: And we're back.
9: Nigel
2: Show,
1: 93 WIPC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here, and one of the many scary things about Biden's border crisis, Hammer, in addition to the 2 million illegals pouring in this year alone, you know, the ones that were on the terrorist watch list, you have the 800,000 gotaways just wandering around in this country had no idea who they are or where they are the, the along with the tragedy of the kids being kidnapped human trafficked uh, and then there's the human toll uh, the death toll of these migrants risking life and limb because of the lure of sanctuary cities and the Biden's lax border policies all that is awful but the drugs flowing unabated through the border, especially uh, this fentanyl stuff, is just really, really, really awful and scary. Uh, Considering now this thing that i heard on the news rainbow uh, rainbow fentanyl
0: have you heard of that i have and we're (laughs) going to go to the driveviewboard.com hotline and bring on emma vaughn she's the national press secretary for the rnc emma we've got a lot of numbers out about what's happening at the border but let's focus specifically on the drug problem and fentanyl first of all for those who may be casual listeners of this program, or maybe somebody that's not as in tune to what's going on, what is rainbow fentanyl?
5: Hi. Well, um, thank thank you both for having me on. Um, rainbow fentanyl is is uh, unfortunately it's not a new thing. Um, what's what's new about it is as we know we have a porous open border right now, thanks to to Biden's lack of leadership, and just as every drug and every cartel is is. Pouring over our border, unfortunately, so is rainbow fentanyl. Um, and it really, if you, you you see it on the news, I don't know if anyone's seen it yet, but it it really just looks like candy. Um, mm-hmm. someone said it looks like Smarties or something, and it's 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 horrible. It's, it's designed by cartels to target children and teens, um, and and it which is terrifying because as we know, I think earlier this year it was announced or, or reported that the Synthetic opioid deaths, which fentanyl is a synthetic opioid, is the number one killer um, for Americans aged 18 to 45. And um, unfortunately, rainbow fentanyl, you know, they're hitting that that – that is a target um, demographic for for people who are smuggling and 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 dealing, I guess, rainbow fentanyl. And um, the chairwoman has been, you know, chairwoman Ron McDaniel. She's the mother of two of the RNC. Um, has been really sounding the alarm on it for a couple of weeks now because it's it, it's an untold another horror story from this border crisis.
0: So, Emma, help me out here. I'm looking at the numbers, and it says that opioid deaths have skyrocketed 80 percent in two years now i think we all know what happened two years ago there was a change mm-hmm. of leadership in this country but again where is this stuff coming from is this just coming from the mexican cartels i've heard stories about maybe china involved getting the cartels in the mix to help get them these drugs to the united states where do we know about where these are coming from
5: Right, so yes, yeah. so we're hearing China. Obviously, um, we're also hearing the Mexican cartels are the ones who are actually bringing it over. But um, you know, all signs point to that this is being made in in China. But and that, and I think that's also a part of this bigger issue. This is as we, as I just said, it's, it's the number one killer of Americans between 18 and 45 is fentanyl. Sent um, and you know, overdosing is up. Eighty percent in two years. We should know more about this, you know. Like we know what causes heart disease, we know what causes cancer, but we don't know what causes or where this is coming from. And I think, you know, it's it's another way that that to point to how to show how Democrats have really dropped the ball and leading us this country through COVID through crisis after crisis and you know i say th- it's going to be one of the things when republicans when we take back the house um and senate i think there's going to be definitely congressional hearings on this figuring out what the root is of the root where this is originating from how, who is distributing this and who is making this and how do we put a stop to it because um, unfortunately you know every town is really a border town these days when you have fentanyl coming
1: in in record numbers. RNC National Press Secretary Emma Vaughn here on the Hammer and Nigel show, and when you mentioned the skyrocketing overdose deaths, I, I, I look at that word overdose, and I raise my eyebrow a little bit, because it's not just a case of somebody that, you know, takes one too many pills, an extra pill here and there. I when we're talking about fentanyl, when we're talking about this stuff is made to kill people. It almost okay. feels like we're under attack. So like kids are over kids aren't overdosing on this stuff. They're being poisoned to death.
5: Right. Right. And I mean, I think it's 2 milligrams of fentanyl is is enough to kill someone. Jeez. Um these which is two milligrams is basically like the, the, the like the tip of a pencil or um there's actually a great graphic I'll make sure to, that you guys have it it's um like it's a it shows a penny and and what amount of fentanyl next to a penny is enough like this kind of showing the the penny is about like a hundred times the size about like this little dot of fentanyl that um is enough that is a lethal dose
1: yeah it's like table so, salt
5: right um and if you look and if you look at what these the size of these Red Bull all they look like a Smartie. It's, like, bigger than an ibuprofen tablet. See, that's and, what's
1: scary is that they're made to look yeah. like Skittles or Smarties. Yeah. That's what terrifies right. me.
5: It's terrifying. you know, chairwoman Ron McDonald. she was actually on Fox, I think, last week talking about this. And Jimmy Kimmel, I mean, I don't think anyone's laughed at a joke he said in, in a decade. But... <laughs> He um, said – he used it as a punchline in his show that Republicans to that time of the election where we're going to be fear-mongering. And, and the chairwoman was bringing up a concern that she has and parents everywhere have about – I mean, it, about Halloween candy and what – you never know what, yes. what's going to – what what kind of Halloween candy your kids are going to get or, or what's going to show up in their basket or pillowcase or whatever they're using nowadays. But um, – and, and Jimmy Kimmel, you know, just made a punchline out of it, and it, it's horrible. This is not – it's a horrible issue to be talking about, and it's and it's it's inhumane to to make a joke or make light of this. I mean, I think everyone has their own personal story about a family or friend or loved one um, being affected by this opioid crisis, and fentanyl is just it's even more extreme.
0: Emma Vaughn is our guest. She's the National Press Secretary of the RNC. And we focus on the pills. You know, we've been spending our time talking about the pills now that they're designed to look like candy or sweet tarts or whatever. But it also can come across in different forms of powder. Is that right?
5: Yeah, I believe so. I think, like, I know there's been, like, you add like it can be also distributed as powder. I mean, obviously, this rainbow fentanyl is the one that we know is targeting kids and teens. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of this overdosing. I mean, I think it's what happens is, is someone who's already addicted to heroin or, or a different type of drug, and it's whatever they're using, which is obviously horrible that they're even using in the first place, is laced with fentanyl. Um, and that is what is causing these overdosing overdoses and death um it, i don't think anyone is really knowingly or or, or choosing to do this um, again it's just going back to finding out the root cause how to to stop so I think we all know we need to close our border and to secure um, and to secure ourselves. But you know, figuring out how to put an end to the production and distribution of this.
1: You know, I think the Democrats' assertion that the border policy uh, we are where we are today because of the previous administration, I think that's ludicrous. Um, but they seem to be gaslighting on this uh, entire. They're either delusional or they're just lying to our faces. I mean, this is this part of what's happening here is a direct result of. President Biden, uh, President Biden, and his, his lax border policy, uh, plus, like I mentioned at the beginning of the segment, the the lure of sanctuary cities, and and quite frankly, I I don't blame some of these people for for trying to get here. Uh, by any means necessary to get a better life, which is not, I mean, I'm not talking about asylum from some sort of dictatorial or oppressive regime. I'm, you know, People are using the excuse of uh, just a better way of life, uh, better finances, uh, looking for work, which is not an asylum excuse. But this is a direct result of Biden's policies and not uh, the result of the previous administration.
5: Right. It's absolutely, you're right. It's gaslighting when I think that's kind of all Democrats and Biden know how to do these days is just gaslight Americans for their concerns. And yeah, if you look, we had a secure border under the former, in the former administration. And the the numbers are truly are not lying. When you look at the amount of drugs that are flowing over our border, the amount of terrorists on the terrorist watch list that have been captured, um, trying to come to our country under the Biden administration. When you look at the number of gotaways, I think it's like over 800,000 people who we do know, that were not apprehended at the border since Biden has taken office, um, and that is like considered to be a conservative estimate because, as you know, it is an estimate because we don't know where they are, um, and it, it's just. A, A resounding lack of leadership is what we're seeing from this White House. And, you know, you look at what's happening in the Rio Grande Valley and and border states like Arizona and New Mexico. You know, you can't lie to those people who are living in their communities that this isn't a crisis. And and especially when you talk about the drug and the human trafficking aspect of it, every state, every city, every neighborhood is becoming a border state city and neighborhood. Everyone is, is dealing with the the horrible consequences of this. And um, I think that's why it's important, you know, using this midterm election to to make sure that we have Republicans in charge at the House and Senate in D.C. so that we can, you know, do the congressional hearings. We can put a halt to Biden's disastrous policies that have led us to this moment. And when you ask when, when the not mainstream media, when when we're, when reporters are able to ask um, these illegal migrants, you know, why did you come here? They they say because the president and vice president said the border was open we, because they couldn't come last administration. They're able to come now. That's what they're saying. You know, you're hearing their reasons straight from them.
0: Emma Vaughn, RNC National Press Secretary. Emma, thank you so much for joining us to talk about what's happening at the border in regards to fentanyl. We appreciate it.
5: Thank you so much for having me on. All right Nigel, let's
0: uh shift gears to some happier news here, shall we? Please. We've got tickets to go see Killer Queen, a tribute to Queen at the Egyptian Room on October 11th. We got a fun little game we're going to play, but we need caller number 9 right now. 239-9393. That's 239-9393. Caller number 9. Killer Queen tickets on the line. Contest next. Are you ready to get your world rocked?
6: Ready!
1: You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC.
6: So don't stop me
8: now.
1: Well, we've got tickets to see uh, Killer Queen, this tribute band but to but Queen. Do you know how how incredibly talented you have to be, Hammer, to even come close to, to imitating or... Um, you know, channeling Freddie Mercury. So, this guy, Patrick Myers, is I'm, I'm reading a little bit about him here. They're, they're based in the UK. I mean, Killer Queen is a great tribute band, man. And you have to be just on point to deliver.
0: October 11th, the Egyptian Room is where the concert's going to be. Mike was caller number nine. Mike, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. How are you?
7: Good. How are you guys?
0: Man, we're doing good. Are you a, a Queen guy, Mike? Do you enjoy the catalog of the band Queen? Yeah, somewhat. Oh, fantastic. All right. <laughs> <That's perfect>. So <laughs> just lie to me, Mike. Just Next time, just lie to yeah. me, okay? All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a little game called Killer Queen or Adam Levine, and this is how it's going to work. I'm going to read you something. It will either be song lyrics from the band Queen or one of the leaked direct messages that Adam Levine sent to someone who wasn't his wife. <laughs> you get 2 out of 3 correct, we're going to give you tickets to go see your favorite band Killer Queen, okay? That sounds good. Okay. Number 1. Oh, you gonna take me home tonight? <laughs> oh, down beside that red firelight. Oh, you going to let it all hang out. <laughs> Fat bottom girls, you make the rocking world go round. Killer Queen or Adam Levine?
7: I'm going to say Killer Queen.
0: Killer Queen. All right. One down, one to go. It could have been Adam Levine. Right. Number two, watching your butt jiggle on that table <laughs> will permanently scar me. I'd do anything for it. I'd buy it a steak dinner and whisper sweet nothings into it. Killer Queen or Adam Levine?
4: I'm gonna go Adam Levine.
0: Yeah! Uh, of course, conversely,
1: that could have been a lyric from Freddie Mercury, a queen. I was sensing a theme here between the two songs. <laughs> I'd Um, buy a steak dinner and whisper sweet nothings into it.
0: All right. Uh, (laughs) Mike, stay on the line. TK Dub will take care of you. Uh, You got yourself a couple tickets to go see the big show on October 11th. Tickets on sale for the Egyptian Room Killer
1: Queen. Did Adam Levine really supposedly send that in a text message or social media? That was a
0: direct message. He (laughs) slid into the DMs. Uh, The word butt was another word, so I kind of took a little change of that, but watching uh, your blank jiggle on that table will permanently <laughs> scar me. I'd do anything for it. I'd buy it a steak dinner and whisper sweet nothings that's, into that's it. it's very
1: Ron Burgundy-ish. I'd buy it a steak dinner, or maybe Champ from uh, Anchorman, if I, had to, if I had to choose. It's
0: a little Ron at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, that thing is good. That is one breathtaking hiney. I want to be on you. <laughs> um, so, we heard a little bit of Queens. We will rock you. Yes. Mondo, could I hear a little bit of Jim Mercey's?
2: Well, I say we end with, with this so you guys can follow me. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Hold up
0: <laughs> <laughs> We will be- <laughs> My favorite is the, hold on, <laughs> all <laughs> offbeat. Like the most simple beat of all time, and it's offbeat, but it's fantastic. It's two kick drums in a snare. Not one, Jim. Come on. <laughs> uh, we also heard my reading of the lyrics of Fat yes. Bottom Girl by Queen. Of course. I think what we need to wrap up this whole segment here is Big Nige doing some karaoke. Uh- oh, my gosh. Really? Really. It's a couple of years ago, right?
1: <laughs> uh, I was at a work function, actually.
0: Top stories oh, coming up next.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> That's enough. Come on. <laughs> Big nine. Really? Really?
1: I'm out of breath.
0: You sound like Jim Mercer.
9: Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos?
1: On 93 WIBC.
9: So
0: let's rock it.
1: My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer's right over there. I think coming into the midterms, Hammer, uh, there's no question economic issues are, are at the heart of what people are concerned with. I mean, you have Biden. The optics, you remember a couple of weeks ago, Biden throwing these mission accomplished parties <laughs> on the lawn at the White House, doing cartwheels over the quote unquote success of the Inflation Reduction Act. And when in reality that same day, inf- inflation increased.
0: If Those types of parties never work out for anyone, do they? Didn't work out for Bush. No, nope. <laughs> didn't work out for the city leaders in Indianapolis. Remember, they had that big. You know, whoop-de-doo festival of crime is down this year. It's yeah. not a record year. Next thing you know, you've got the three Dutch nationals murdered yeah. in a high-profile tourist spot in one, downtown Indianapolis. One of them was, yeah. One of them yeah, was yeah. murdered. The other two were shot.
1: Um, Like, so, you know, the news hits today that Americans' disposable income... Has plunged a full percentage point, which is, which is bru- stocks are brutal. And a lot of this can all be traced back to the almost $2 trillion stimulus package a year and a half ago signed into law.
0: And they keep going, they just keep adding well, debt yeah. on top of debt, spending on top of spending. Blanked, blank checks to Ukraine for sure. Even Obama's staff members are looking at Joe Biden going, What the hell are you doing? Like, I get the impression the Obama. Obama administration is trying to give the old Heisman Trophy stiff arm and distance themselves.
1: Yeah, he don't want anything to do with this yeah. in
0: any possible yeah. way from Joe Biden. And here's an example: former Obama economist Larry Summers speaking at an event on the inflation situation.
7: We basically had inflation under control for 40 years despite the fact that the price of oil fluctuated, despite the fact that there were all kinds of uh, supply shocks. Um, We lost the thread, uh, along with many other countries, um, about a year and a half ago with massively expansionary policies Relative to the size of the GDP gap, the fiscal stimulus was five times as large as it had been during the financial crisis.
1: I think the Democrats—there you go. That's such a great point. That's Obama's uh, former economist, Larry Summers, saying, uh, yeah, that uh, that $1.9 trillion stimulus is what kind of did us in. Everybody's backing away from that, including Obama doesn't want anything to do with that or be associated with that. You hear Biden all the time invoking the name of the great leader, Obama. And, <laughs> and meanwhile, Obama's like, yeah, no, no thanks. I don't want anything to do with this. And it's it's a priority for a uh, middle-income Uh, lower-income American, everybody really is being affected by this. It's kitchen table issues, man.
0: Again, never forget that it was Barack Obama who tried to talk Joe Biden out of running (laughs) because, one, he would humiliate himself, and, two, he didn't want to be associated with him. Now, Joe Biden became the president. He got elected, but very rarely— Do you see Barack Obama going out carrying the water for Joe Biden? Only once in a while. If those two were as close as Joe Biden thinks they were, wouldn't Barack Obama be going out every single weekend, stumping for the midterms, hyping up Joe Biden? He wants nothing to do with this guy. So where are we at with this story from Tucson? What happened? Tucson police officers killed a guy after he pointed his gun at the police dog's head. So the authorities were going after this guy. They'd had a warrant for him and they saw him getting out of his vehicle. So they sick the canine on him and the dog runs up and it tackles him and it bites him and it brings him to the ground. While the officers are running up, the suspect on the ground reaches for a gun, pulls it up to the dog's head. He's getting ready to blow the dog's head off. And that's when... The police officers blew him away. So the dog lives, there's a dead bad guy here. I don't think this is a
1: controversy at all. And they warned him several times before that happened. And right. you know there's somebody somewhere, some PETA lunatic that is, is saying, What the dog how how dare you know, some somebody somewhere is is saying how, how could you sacrifice his life for the dog's life? Maybe Pete is the wrong example. Pete, I. Right, Pete I think is probably little, pretty happy
6: about the well, outcome. I don't know.
1: I, I don't know. Um, but somebody somewhere, some gun rights advocate, some or, or some somebody somewhere is is looking at this and and, and blaming the cops and saying, uh, his life was was more valuable than the dogs. You should have let him do what he was going to do.
0: No, the dog's life yeah. was more valuable. I, I I've looked at the numbers, agree. I've double-checked the math yeah. here. This guy was a scumbag, yeah. No, uh, and I'm happy that he's dead. Like, everything played out the way that I wanted it to. So rarely in life do you get the solution that you're looking for, the outcome that you yeah. wanted to happen. Here, we've got a dead bad guy, a safe police dog, and the dog got to bite him. Hot damn, that's
6: perfect. But
1: you got to think, there's some anti-2A, you know, anti- gun nut job somewhere that's saying, wait a minute, wait, wait, we sacrificed a human life to saving animals? And uh, and first of all, do you know how much it takes, how much money It takes to train these dogs thousands and thousands of dollars and thousands of man hours to train these dogs. There's no doubt in my mind. This dog's life was much more valuable than whoever they blew away.
0: This guy was wanted on felony arrest warrants for a home invasion and a bank robbery. And like you said, they had warned him several times, several times, get down on the ground, drop the weapon, get down on the ground, drop the weapon. The dog's chewing at him. He puts the gun to the dog's head and then boom. That was it. I I don't think, for the
1: most part, I don't think officers differentiate between uh, a police officer, a human police officer, and a canine officer. For God's sake, they have funerals, processions for
0: canine dogs that are killed in the line of duty. Sure. And this video is out there. Uh, We didn't play any of the audio here because, you know, it's kind of graphic. It really is. But if you want to watch the video, you can find it on Twitter. The body cam that the officer wears gives you a clear clear shot of everything playing out the warnings to this guy him putting the gun to the dog's head and what happens afterwards so if you want to see it for yourself it's out there and this is a reason why i'm happy that body cams exist because if not then you'd have some lunatics you know that are always anti-police saying they shot this guy in cold blood they never gave him a warning rabble rabble no, body cams exist for this very reason. And more often than not, they make sure that the police officers get a fair shake in these types of things. Again, we talked about this Jeffrey Dahmer series a couple days ago. Mondo, you've watched the entire thing and you said
6: it's pretty. uh It's, it's rough. A, yeah.
0: It's a rough watch. It's I'm graphic,
6: it. disturbing. Just prepare yourself because Jeffrey Dahmer, <laughs> evil. I mean, evil. I've seen documentaries on the
1: thing. I don't need to watch a recreation. <laughs> of it i don't want to put that stuff into my but head it's getting
0: yet. like a, a claim right the guy that plays jeffrey dahmer he's already been nominated for awards
6: and stuff he should win them all evan peters does a phenomenal job as jeffrey dahmer
0: so because of how grisly this series is and a lot of people kind of getting into jeffrey dahmer maybe for the first time folks that are younger maybe they didn't know the full story some people now have a problem with Katy Perry's song, Dark Horse, because in the lyrics, they mention Jeffrey Dahmer.
2: That's
0: a Katy Perry song. Yes, that's a rapper that's in the song. His name is Juicy J, but <laughs>
6: Juicy J, Juicy is that, J, that his name. He's uh, <laughs> from the Three Six Mafia,
0: right? Ah,
1: yes, Three Six Mafia, of course. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. Juicy J. So people are upset now. The they're they're using Dahmer's name to to rhyme uh, something in a rap
0: song. And that song and is damn near break. 10 years old, too. Like, it's not like this came out just in time for the series. Uh. It's an older song, and people are trying to rip on Katy Perry, so to avoid controversy, Katy Perry has asked Hammer and Nigel Records mm. to help edit Jeffrey Dahmer's name out of that song, <laughs> so here are some of the alternatives that we offered up. Uh,
9: she's a beast. I call her karma. Come back. She- so hard out, like Jeffrey
1: Tambor. Hey
2: now, <laughs> so hard out, like Jeffrey Bezos. So hard out, like Jeffrey Gold blue <laughs> So hard out, like Jeffrey Garland. <laughs> so hard out, like Jeffrey Probst of Survivor. So hard out, like Jeffrey Foxworthy.
0: <laughs> so hard out. Like Donham, the guy with the puppets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah! Hammer and Nigel Records. Oh, wow. Offering up some suggestions. (laughs) Jeffrey Goldblum was my personal favorite.
2: (laughs) You're listening to the
1: Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Wow, Coolio dead at the age of 59, Hammer. Do we have, a, have any signs of, um, of of what happened? Do we know exactly how he died? Why? Police
0: say no drugs, no signs of foul play. Um, I read heart attack somewhere. Now, I'm not sure if that's been confirmed s- or yeah. not, but that's one of the things that's out there. Uh, but he was only 59 years old, and he didn't seem like he was in horrible shape. And again, no booze or signs of foul play, according to the police. Now, the song we came in with right there, Gangsta's Paradise, uh, that was on the Dangerous Minds soundtrack, right? With Michelle Pfeiffer. You remember that movie, right? uh, uh, Oh, yeah.
1: I think there were some awards for that song and that, yeah.
0: He won a Grammy, I think, for that. And that was the infamous moment where he and, like, his... You know, bandmate, the real sweaty guy from the video, they're holding their Grammy, and somebody asked him about Weird Al's parody song, Amish Paradise, and Coolio got all butthurt and ticked off about it.
1: Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. I I mean, you know, imitation is a serious form of flattery. I would have been fine with it.
0: The years went on, ultimately, like Weird Al and Coolio became friends.
1: Yeah, I saw a picture of them hugging.
0: Right. So yeah, that was that. Gangsta's Paradise won a uh, a Grammy award for Coolio, but he had some other hits too. I think it was 1994. He broke out with Fantastic Voyage.
1: Oh wow! Yeah.
2: This hit number
0: three on the Billboard chart, and then you know he had a couple other songs that came out. But the next big hit was one, two, three, four. <laughs> So Coolio, 59, man. That stinks. That's uh, part of my high school years. I'm
1: not sure I'm familiar
0: with that last one you just played. You probably the, uh, the
1: played other, it. The other two for sure, uh, but the one, two, three, four song. But yeah, that's a bummer though, man. Heart attack. If that's what it is, we don't have confirmation of that. But I mean, young, way too young, 59 years old
0: are you a coffee guy how much covfefe do you find yourself uh, drinking
1: coffee i had a couple cups this morning probably when it starts to get not during the summer really sometimes before the show i'll make a i'll, I'll brew a fresh uh, fresh batch down uh, you know in the kitchen but uh, not overly i'm uh, not crazy about it like, do you drink one cup a day at least not uh, no not on average no. okay some days i go completely without
0: because today is national coffee day it, it Something with my stomach. Sometimes
1: I think I'm done in the bathroom for the day, and then I'll have a cup of coffee. Oops, nope. Nope, nope. No,
0: no, Jarred I'm, I'm something not. loose there, Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not a coffee guy either, man. I've never been. I just don't like the taste. I get my caffeine in other ways, right? I'll get the... Uh, The Diet Mountain Dew or, you know, a Zero Sugar Red Bull or something like that. I've just never been a big coffee guy. If you ever see me drinking coffee, chances are the heat is broken here in the building and it's freezing cold at the back where our offices are. Or there's some Baileys in it. Right. Mixed in. Uh, So, to celebrate, let's take a trip down memory lane with great moments in coffee history, the movie Office Space. Boy, I tell you, some days... (laughs) One of these days, it's just going to be like.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So can I get you gentlemen something more to drink? Or maybe something to nibble on? Some pizza shooters, (laughs) shrimp poppers, or extreme fajitas? Just coffee. Okay. Sounds like a case of the Mondays.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's when he was at the restaurant. I believe it was Tchotchkes. (laughs) Tchotchkes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You'll remember this, Big Nige. uh, The episode of Seinfeld where Kramer and his attorney had the hot coffee lawsuit.
1: Now, we don't want to take up much of your time. (laughs) Uh, Let's make this short and sweet. We're prepared to offer you all the free coffee you want at any of our stores throughout North America and you're a plus. I'll take it. (laughs) I think they were going to give him like 50 grand as well. (laughs) But he accepted the offer before he was done done with it.
0: And of course, the conclusion (laughs) of the film Fast Times at Ridgemont High where Judge Reinhold's character is working the mighty mart and some dude comes in to rob him and lo and behold there happened to be a hot pot of coffee.
6: What are you doing? It's safe. Behind the donuts. Come on, come on. I just started here. They um, just told just me the procedure. and I, I, Let me figure it out.
2: Oh, let me figure it out. Come <laughs> <Hey>, on, Let's go. I <laughs> out
6: of
0: my
6: case, mother******.
2: <laughs> hey, no <laughs> towels, man.
0: Hot <laughs> coffee on the face.
2: <laughs> 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 I
8: got you, you son of a******. I got
2: you. <laughs> All right, Harold. <health. laughs> Great
1: moments in coffee history. You know, my wife does now. She bought, um, have you ever had an espresso? She's got one of those makers now where it just you make it in a little cup, like a tiny little espresso cup, and she hits one of those about 3 o'clock in the afternoon and gives her an extra boost. I tried it one time. It tastes like liquid mulch.
0: Oh. It, it's,
1: I, I hate the taste of those things, man. She says it gives her kind of, you know, that mid-afternoon, kick
0: why can't she just drink a Mountain Dew like the rest of us
1: (laughs) well look at us I'm sorry I I don't want my wife looking like me or you and that's what would happen if she's just drinking Mountain Dews every day three (laughs) o'clock
0: uh coming up here in just a moment Rob Kendall will join us I'm looking out the window of our studio here I'm looking in the hallway he's got a jump rope and his shirt is off. Oh! So I think he's yeah. ready to go. I think he's ready to go completely off the rails. Let's do it. We got a lot of stuff to get to.
6: I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore.
1: And now, Cameron and Nigel go off the rails with Rob Kindle on ninety-three WIBC. Is Nigel, Jason Hammer is here. Also, Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show. Here to go off the rails. Rob,
9: how are you? I'm great. Thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. I'm, I'm
1: expecting gnashing of teeth. I'm expecting some thrashing going on. I'm expecting steam coming in out of your ears this segment, okay? Let's play what's more cringy. You ready? Uh, let's it do it, It involves this. our yes. president, Joe Biden, telling a man in a wheelchair to stand up and let him see you. <laughs>
6: you. Stand up, Chuck.
1: and see you. Oh,
6: God love you. What am I talking about?
1: <laughs> the late Chuck Graham right there has been in a wheelchair since he was 16, literally the first man in Missouri ever to be elected office in a wheelchair. Yes.
6: God love you. Stand up, Chuck. and see you. Oh, God love you. What am I talking about?
1: Or during a speech at the White House conference on hunger yesterday, Biden Asking if the late Representative Wolorski was in attendance.
6: I want to thank all of you here, for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie. Are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was going to be here to help make this.
1: Representative Wolorski tragically dying in a, a car accident in August, Rob, more cringy to you. The wheelchair. Or
9: oh, it's absolutely asking where the dead woman is, because the thing with the guy in the wheelchair is Biden clearly had all his faculties about him. He was just Biden, which is an insensitive, uninformed, gaff-prone buffoon, which he's been throughout his entire life. That's bad. But he's asking where the dead woman is because he's forgotten that she's no longer with us.
0: He named a hospital after her two weeks after her passing. He signed pieces of paper commemorating this veteran's hospital after Jackie Bolorsky. And yesterday he asked why she wasn't in the room.
9: Here, here's, the, here's the issue with this. And this is not a partisan thing. This is if you're a Democrat, Republican, independent, apathetic, libertarian, whatever – how can you be okay with this? Like, there's plenty of yeah. uber liberal people who can run and be president, who know where they're at. I mean, this is the same day where he forgot. Vilsack is his ag secretary. He's mumbling incoherently. I heard that. He's yeah. he can't get off the stage b- by himself. I mean, all these things are happening in the same day. This guy has the new codes he's in charge of our military. Look, I don't like Gavin Newsom either, but at least he knows
0: where he's at. And we're laughing about this, but man, this isn't funny. No. And shame on his wife, the good doctor, Dr. Jill, and anybody (laughs) that's in his inner circle for keep putting him up there, because it's almost to the point to where it's elder abuse. Sure it is. They're so power thirsty. They're so power hungry. They would rather humiliate him. Dr. Jill would rather have her husband humiliated every single day then give up a little bit of power
9: the mainstream national media though is a big part of this too because they've emboldened this guy they've propped him up we've known who biden is and where his mental faculties are for the better part of four years and again it's not it's not just a gaff prone buffoon which he's always been this guy has serious mental issues going on, and the media repeatedly covers from Corinne Jean-Pierre, the whole thing, which, well, he was on, she was on top of mind. You know what? My grandparents are on top of mind on their birthdays. They, they both would have been 100 years old this year, and on their birthdays, they were top of mind. But I didn't go asking where they are. You know, and
0: good for the media yes. yesterday, Nod. I
1: actually have that. You want me to play that
9: clear yeah. hammer?
0: Yeah, good for them for yeah. actually giving her some
5: crap. What happened in the Hunger event today? The president appeared to look around the room uh for an audience member, a member of Congress who passed away last month and seemed to indicate she might be in the room. What
8: what happened? So the President was, uh, as you all know, you guys were watching uh, today's event, a very important event on uh, food insecurity. The President was naming uh, the congressional champions on this issue and was acknowledging her incredible work. He had uh, had already uh, planned to welcome the Congresswoman's family uh, to the White House on Friday. There will be uh, a bill signing in her honor this coming Friday. Uh, so of course she was on his mind. She was of top of mind. He said, Jackie,
5: are you here? Where's Jackie? She must not be here.
8: No, I totally understand. I just I just explained she was on top I just, of mind. I told you.
1: By the way, we always inevitably hammer, we get crap for questioning the mental fitness of the president. Well, he he has a stammer. He has a stutter. And that's the problem. When for the past four or five years under Trump, they were questioning his mental fitness every day of his life. Sanjay
0: Gupta of CNN, their resident quack, looked at a picture of Donald <laughs> Trump and said, oh, he's got heart disease.
9: Hot damn, heart well, disease. Well, and think about it, And Tony was talking about this this morning. And you know, I hate giving Tony credit for anything, but- <laughs> <laughs> he made a good point. The obvious answer is... He's an old guy who made a mistake, who was you know freewheeling up there, and he forgot she'd yes. passed away. It was terribly insensitive, and we're terribly sorry, and it won't happen again. But they can't give that up because he does this stuff all the time, and you can't every time admit, yeah, the guy's lost his marbles. I mean,
0: they're really pinned in here. And Corrine Jean-Pierre is so bad at her job that instead of just saying, you know, it was a mistake, you know, we've all had, you know, moments where we say something and you realize, wait a minute, what did I just say? That's all you have to do is be honest. But she was snarky, and she was a smartass. And to their credit, it wasn't just Peter Doocy in that room that was giving her crap. They all, the press corps, was giving her well-deserved crap. And that's the first time that I think I've seen a shift in that room, the White House press briefing room, in a long time.
1: I have an update, actually, for you here, Rob. A member of uh, the Walorski family has commented. Yeah. Her, Her brother saying, quote, all I'm saying right now about the president is bless his heart for trying. I just feel sorry for him. Well, I guess if they want to let him
9: get off the hook easy with that, then... Okay,
0: Rob Kendall, with us, we're going off the rails. Uh, your weekend euchre partner, uh, Senator Todd Young, This guy, known as the the Duke of Spendingburg, the Duke of Spendingburg. I was listening to your show the other day when news came across while you were on the air that he had signed off on another spending bill. Yes. And Casey's talking about something. I think she's resetting what's trending, and then off in the background, I hear he did it again. <laughs>
1: he did it again. That's what I want to hear on this show. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm waiting for. Well, okay. So, what
9: so is it? Th- this is just—it's just the most incredible thing ever. We talk about John Con- Pierre gaslighting the country. She should, have, Todd Young should have a seat up there with her. I mean, this is a guy who, by the time the election rolls around, he has now voted to add over 11 trillion dollars to the national debt in his six years in office. It's like he went in and said, hey, you guys want to play a game? Let's see how much I can add to the national debt. And it's like, you're a sports better hammer. Someone took the over at $10 trillion and <laughs> Todd Young was in on him and he's going to get a huge payout at plus you know, plus $750 ongoing.
0: I mean, so you're me t- Todd Young is the same as the NBA ref Tim Donahue <laughs> who was uh, cooking the games back in the 90s. I mean, this guy and
9: his abuse of the taxpayers and what he, along with Bernie Sanders and Chuck Schumer and Maisie Hirono and Richard Blumenthal, what all Todd Young and these liberal lunatics have done in terms of the amount of debt that they have added to our nation, which has been a primary driver of inflation. I mean, it is at the point where the Fed chair basically is like, dude, I can't raise rates out of of inflation, man, because you guys won't stop spending money. And yet Todd Young, the old Duke of Spendingburg, (laughs) has the audacity. He's running ads. He's out talking about limiting. Well, gee, government spending is really out of control and someone should do, about, do something about that. You're
2: in
0: the government and never do anything about it! <laughs> Didn't it he do there the Stop Washington Waste yes, Tour? Yes!
9: With the Americans for Prosperity, which is another clown organization that's become nothing but an arm of the establishment wing of the Republican Party. But the point is, so the Republicans have another opportunity. Keep in mind, the Republicans have emboldened the Democrats by rarely if ever forcing them to use their their uh, the filibuster proof votes, the reconciliation votes. They could have blocked the Green Dream if they had forced Democrats repeatedly to use reconciliation because you only get so many reconciliations. Mm. Well, what does the Duke of Spendingburg do? He goes and teams up with Schumer and Pelosi and Kamala and Biden on this CHIPS Act in which we give tens of billions of dollars of our money to uber-rich corporations. The also- insider trading CHIPS deals, is that the, the one you're talking about? Uh, you can describe it however you want. It's a- <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) giant load of crap for the taxpayers todd young writes the bill with schumer without forcing the democrats to use reconciliation which leaves a reconciliation in their pocketbook which they used on the biden green dream to screw all the taxpayers and now young is running ads bragging about this chips bill
0: and on top of that it made the pelosis even more wealthy they got richer because of the chips deal because of the insider trading all of those things you just rattled off and the cherry on top of the sunday is it benefited the pelosis and todd young looks at that and goes hot damn this looks great so the (laughs) new vote comes up on government spending and this is tied to the
9: mansion sweetheart deal that mansion made with schumer to get the the pipeline deal done in west virginia and so the republicans are livid about this and i'm thinking all right, random, confused, accidental act of government mm-hmm. accountability from the Republicans. Well, then you realize, no, they're not mad about the spending. We'll vote for that. We're mad at Manchin, so we want to screw Manchin on the very issue, permitting reform, which they've been for for years and years and years, and then it gets handed to them, and they go, no, we're not doing that because of Manchin. <laughs> you pull that you pull that permitting reform out of there, Schumer. We'll vote for the spending all day long. And they pulled the permitting reform out, and Todd wow. Young voted with Bernie Sanders Sanders and Mazie Arono and Dick Blumenthal and Cory Booker and Don your favorite difficult- Dick. <laughs> but, but here's the thing: Todd Young believes, and this is
2: Don Name <laughs> Dick.
9: This is the truth. Todd Young believes that at the end of the day, the vast majority of people are so afraid of the Democrats that they will eat whatever crap he throws at them, and that they will not either not vote for him or vote for the Libertarian James Cineak. And he believes he can do whatever the hell he wants, and you won't do anything about it.
0: He's a Marine. Did you know that? Robert? No way. <laughs> Todd Young A marine. No way. You got a couple more
1: minutes, Rob? Uh,
9: Sure.
0: (laughs) Anything for you.
1: Just take a quick break. We'll be right back. Going off the rails with Rob Kendall here on the Hammer Nigel Show. All right. We're back with Rob Kendall going off the rails. You hear Pantsuit Patty called Donald Trump, Hitler, and his followers a bunch of uh, Nazis at a speaking event in Texas last week. Pretty soon. I mean, it's just getting old. She's irrelevant. She doesn't matter. She's obviously not running for president. It's, it's the same old thing over and over and over again. And I, I, I don't think anybody should be surprised by this, especially after Joe Biden and the speech from hell called, uh, you know, 75 million people that voted for Donald Trump uh, extremists and, and extreme MAGA, Republicans, and now, you know, Everybody that was there at that rally that she was talking about that was holding their hand, a bunch of white men, kind of looked like Hitler youth to me. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what she said, and that's what the Democrats think of of half of the United States.
9: Yeah, I used to say this all the time. I don't know if you guys know, but I was once a very successful elected official. Yeah. You've
0: mentioned that. <laughs> Did you know Nigel worked at X103? <laughs>
9: I don't know. I've also told you guys that I once uh, helped uh, author the largest municipal property tax cut in the state of Indiana in the tax history of the Tax cutting machine. Well, and, and it, you know, with great with great power comes great responsibility. But I used to tell people all the time, and people would say, "You're a very divisive person," and I would say, "Yeah." I don't believe in the idea of us coming together because you and me, whatever liberal I was talking about, we don't agree on nothing. And I know what your opinion of me is and mine is the same of you. So let's get this idea of it. Everybody should come together and hold hands. Let's just cut that out. We know what Hillary Clinton thinks of me. We know what Joe Biden thinks of me. They think I'm a fascist. I'm a Nazi. I'm a democracy hater. But yet the Republicans are always, when they get in power, well, we should should work with our Democrat friends. We should come together and heal this nation. Yet when it's Hillary Clinton, I'm a Nazi!
1: (laughs) (laughs) And to be fair, you're semi-fascist. Yeah, that's true. Thank you very much. The words that were used.
0: A diet fascist. Full-blown Nazi, (laughs) but just (laughs) semi-fascist. Only 1% fascist. (laughs) Uh, Rob, you're a uh, you're a baseball guy. Yes. Um, Aaron Judge yes. tying Roger Maris last bad. night. Next home run that Aaron Judge hits, he'll be the American League leader. Do you feel like Aaron Judge will ultimately be the de facto single season home run leader? Well, I think- do. You accept that because obviously yes. McGuire, Bonds, yes. and Sosa—they've got these steroid-induced video game numbers. Yeah. As of right now, Aaron Judge has never failed a steroid test, would you think of him as the real single-season home run leader?
9: Yeah, yeah, because uh, Bonds, Sosa, McGuire, it's like when David Copperfield made the Statue of Liberty disappear. I know I no longer saw the Statue of Liberty, but I know that didn't really actually happen. Those guys didn't happen. It's too bad. Aaron Judge seems like a fine guy, but you know, Hammer, I'm a pretty miserable petty person. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And all I have basically to cling to is the past. (laughs) And I just come from a generation where things were better in black and white. And I hate the idea that something in color is being taken away from me from something that happened in black and white. So I'm anti-Aaron Judge. Let me say that right now. Uh, I
1: love how Hammer didn't hesitate right there. Oh, yes, you are miserable. You're a very miserable person. Yes.
9: What's coming up on the show tomorrow? Well, the big uh, drop from Abdul on uh, the old cowardly lion. Republican Secretary of State Kennedy Diego Morales is supposed to come out. And so I'm sure we'll have
0: all sorts of coverage on that. He's off the rails. He's Rob Kendall. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.